everybody loves Fridays. Most people love them because it's the end of the work week. I love it because it's a podcast day, which means I get to meet another great guest. So this is episode number 146 of Shut Up and Grind with your host, yours truly, Robert B. Foster. Now, if you are new to the show, we are all about overcoming obstacles. We're about defying the odds. We're about getting deep into our guest backstory and how they got to where they are now. And so the gentleman I have on today is no different. But first, we got to talk about me. I started doing workshops and doing groups where I'm getting up in front of, front of others, like outside of the gym setting and talking about resilience and perseverance and goal setting and vision and taking action. You should know what one hour of your time is worth. You should know the value that you bring to the marketplace. You know what your passion is. Starts with clarity of vision. If you don't have the clarity of vision, whatever next thing you get, you're not going to see it through because you don't have the clarity of vision. So the, the point of my pain was being told you will never run or jump again. And all that stuff, I was like, you know what? Like, I want to be able to take this even bigger. If you know why you do what you do, you have to know how to charge for what you do. That's how you're going to change your life, and that's how you're going to leave a legacy for your children and your family. you got to know your work. Alrighty, so please share this video. If you're joining me on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel. Like the video there as well to help us grow, help us spread the word so we can help people step into their greatness. All right, so for today's teachable moment, it's going to be a short and yet a quick one. And it's, I need you to believe in yourself. No matter what it is that you're trying to do, If you're holding it back just from a lack of self-belief, I want you to crush that, right? Today's the day you take that first step into doing whatever it is you want to do. If you want to start a podcast, start it today. You want to start a blog, start writing today. You want to start sharing sharing your story, start today. Just find someone and start today. It's not not the time to hold back because this is the only time you have. Tomorrow's not guaranteed to anyone else. All you have is right now, today. So make that first step get started, and then see how your life changes a year from now because you started today. All right, that's today's Teachable Moment. So now we're going to bring on my guest. And who is this guest? I know he is a professional rugby player. He's a professional rugby champion, but he is also a businessman. He is also an entrepreneur, and he loves giving back and helping other people. So let's dive in and get this gentleman's story. Welcome to the show, Lucas Caneda. Hey, brother. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. My pleasure. Thank you for taking the time to be here. Where are you joining us from? I'm currently in France in a little town called Sarla. Uh, It's southwest of France, uh, kind of between Bordeaux and Toulouse. Those are the two big cities that we've got around. Okay. Nice. So France, you're about, what, six hours ahead of us? I think so. It's like it's like five o'clock right now. So yeah, six. That's it. Okay. Nice, nice, nice. So thank you for joining us this evening for you. Early evening. Uh, early <laughs> evening. Yeah, evening. I would say it's much later in the day for me because days are long, you know. But uh, oh yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, just getting started. In a couple of hours, we've got training. So yeah. So that's good. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. All right. So. Let's uh let's dive in into your to your backstory. So how would you you describe yourself? Who is Lucas? So I'm a professional rugby player, uh, but I'm also a director of a company, uh, of an incubator uh, accelerator. Yeah, and uh, also an entrepreneur. So I'm also the director of other companies that we've uh, funded ourselves around. Um, most of a father of uh, a little daughter, one year old. Oh, nice. Uh, husband. Uh, I don't know. It's many things at the same time. And that's something I really, I really enjoy not being put into a box into who you are. Okay, yes. Many things. And that, that's something I really enjoy. 
Love it. So where, where were you born? I was born in Argentina. Argentina, okay. Yeah. Nice. And uh, you were raised there as well? Yeah, I lived there since I was born till I was 25. Okay. Uh, roughly, yeah, I think. I, I moved to France in 2015, actually. Okay. All right, so what, what was it like gro- growing up in Argentina? I mean, I, I love it because my family, my friends are there, you know, but uh, when it comes to economics, uh, when it comes to security, stability, the country is quite, quite messy, to be honest. Uh, it's also one of the reasons why I decided to leave or mainly, I would say, decided not to come back yet. Because, um, yeah, I mean, you, you know how it is. You go back home, uh, you take three tours before coming in, just in case you keep your, your eyes open. Um, in terms of, uh, you know, uh, economics, it's not great, even though I, I didn't have any problems when I was young. Uh, I mean, I was lucky that my parents uh, both worked, uh, yeah. did, did not have problems, you know, but uh, it's tough, it's tough to see People around you are struggling. Uh, companies are getting closed. Yeah. Uh, it's just you know a constant battle to, to try and, and survive more than thrive, and that's uh, that's how it is. Okay, what what would you say causes that? Poof. I think <laughs> mainly it's politics. Uh, sadly, uh, it comes back to that because when it comes to resources, our countries very very good i mean it's full of of natural resources to exploit and uh people are very intelligent too uh one of the things that they they like the most about argentinians around the world is that you can they can adapt you know they can fix problems and find solutions because they we've been through so much uh and we've always tried to to solve a problem uh on our daily lifestyle uh, so that's something companies appreciate about us uh, all around the world. But still, I think there's a lot to be done in terms of politics, in terms of yeah, yeah. getting yeah. things settled and with you know object long-term objectives. Because uh, usually the guys in power are always thinking about the next couple of years, so they get re-elected, so they can keep going instead of mm-hmm. just thinking of a long-year plan where you can actually work through the basis and I get the country running and, and, and going. Yeah, it is what it is, and I love my country, but it's just you know, sad to, to see in this situation today. Yeah, it's it's the same here, here in, in, in the US, even though you know we're a free country, but there's still a lot of politics that drive a lot of decisions here as well. So it's, I completely understand that. Like I say all the time, like they don't, they're not really for the people, they're for the party. And yeah. just, just like you said, they'll say what they have to say to get elected, even if it means not doing the right thing and letting people suffer. Like when COVID hit last year, you know, they were fighting over the two parties was fighting over relief money. And while people were struggling and businesses were closing and yeah. people were unemployed, you know, like divorce was at an all time high, suicide rate was at an all time high. And they're holding on to this money that people desperately need. Need, you know? yeah. So, like, it, so it definitely happens here, here as well. You know, and it, it is. Course. Yeah, you're right. It's so sad to see. So, all right. So, obviously, you're a rugby player. But growing up, did you play any other sports? Oh, I did many sports when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I played uh, soccer. Mm-hmm. I was pretty good, actually. But uh, at one point in time, um, I got drafted to, into one of the, the best teams in Argentina, uh, okay. River Plate. Nice. I was very young. It was around 11 years old, I think. And um, I remember the first day I came in into the changing room. I was a little kid, you know. I was there just because I loved playing soccer and I wanted to have fun. Yeah. And as soon as I went into the changing room, there was like 60 people sitting there and they watched me, you know, 60 kids watching me like that. Like I was, yeah. you know coming from from somewhere else and after like 30 seconds of no one speaking and nobody saying a word one of them came up 
faced me and say, what position do you play? Instead of like not, not even asking how, what my name was, mm. I was like, okay, I play, I play uh, the attack, play number nine, number seven. Uh, okay, be careful because our, our number nine is him. He he, he pointed out to someone else. Yeah. Like, dude, you're 11 years old. Come come play some ball, have some fun. I mean, but no. Again, coming back to this situation in Argentina, I mean, people there were trying to find a break, trying to find, already at that age, they were in their heads, they were trying to get to professional uh, soccer instead of having fun and learning the game and having friends. Mm. So eventually uh, I went, I, I spent the whole year there playing, but at the end, one point in time, I decided to, to come back to rugby because the atmosphere is different. Uh, Ever since I was a kid, when I was playing rugby, they, they always said and made focus and making friends. Rugby is for friends. Uh, it's a family. And that's one of the things that I, I, I love. And I, I always uh, try to, to point out about rugby, that difference with, with many other sports that I know of. That's, I mean, so important to me. And uh, I feel rugby is my family. It's my home. Yeah, that's something that keeps me pushing, keeps keeps me going. All right. So, you, so you said you were playing soccer around eleven. So, when did you start playing rugby? Oh, I actually did both things at the same time for a period oh, okay. of time. Gotcha. So I started rugby when I was five or six, and I played all along, except for one year. Uh, I think it was that year that I was playing soccer that much that I stopped uh, rugby for like, I'd say 10 months. But I was very, very lucky because my coach at that time, um, even though I did not play for the whole year, at the end of the year, you always do like, you know, a camp, a trip, uh, something. So you go play against a team in another region, another another state. Yeah. And uh, I remember in, it was I think around October, the coach actually called me and he invited me to go to the trip. I was like, but I did not play for the whole whole season and you're inviting me anyways. He said, you know what? You are a part of this team for me anyways. I really like you to come back and to come to the trip, just have some fun. And I remember, I mean, there was pretty much turning point because uh, I never stopped after that. And uh, he took me in. He made me play in the first team, even though I had not played for the whole year. Yeah. And uh, my friends were just, I mean, you know, loving it. And I was I was having such a nice time that I, I couldn't stop ever after, even though I kept, I kept doing other things because I also did some taekwondo, some soccer after that, some, some golf. I mean, I, I love sports, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I love do you. I do. I do. I love sports. I keep saying that getting old is not conducive to my lifestyle <laughs> because it's like, you know, I'm just constantly like I've had seven surgeries so far. I just oh, tweaked, yeah. I just tweaked my piriformis muscle last weekend. It's like, <laughs> uh, so it's always something, but no, I'm, I'm going to keep playing now. I'm going to keep playing. So no with, yeah, when my time is up, I'm, I'm leaving here. I don't care if I'm in a wheelchair or what, but I'm using everything I have as long as I can use it. So I agree. I agree. Right? I mean, like, stop. I mean, it is. I am getting old too, but uh, <laughs> we just do what, what we must, right? Uh, yeah. You know, we, we do what we love. You know, it's, it's like I, lo I love, I just love to compete. Yeah. You know, so like my, my mom said to me after my third knee surgery, she's like, <laughs> she's like, what are you going to do if you end up in a wheelchair? I said, there's wheelchair Olympics. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, it's like the, the only thing in your mind. I love it, right? Because I think that's what keeps pushing you, right? That passion. Yes. Uh, yeah. And I, and I think that's one of the things that uh, I, I usually speak about the, the connection between business and sports. Yes. One of the things I love the most is that passion. Whenever you're passionate about something, you get things done. Yeah. Uh, you make a difference. And that's what keeps driving you and keeps pushing you and keeps motivating the people around you. I think that's something I, I've learned through sports, yeah. but I always try to put it into business. Yeah, the two definitely go hand in hand. Like you see a lot of 
lot of professional athletes turn into successful entrepreneurs. I mean, look at, you know, Magic Johnson, look at Michael Jordan, look at Tiger Woods. I mean, like the, the list goes on and on because, because that there's a certain level of hustle it takes to become a professional athlete, as you know, right? Yeah. Certain level of hustle. And there's also a certain level of hustle to be successful in business. So the two, Those. the two really go hand in hand. You totally know? agree. Yes. Totally so, agree. And so, also this, there's that resilience that you need to have to keep going because yes. it doesn't come easy, you know, and in the business world that, that happens every day. I mean, start make starting a startup uh, entrepreneurship so hard. I mean, you need to just roll up your sleeves and get to work. Yeah. Same happens in sports. Uh, I mean, who loves going out in, in winter and doing some fitness sessions when you can't run anymore? I mean, you need to do it and you need to keep going and you know that's going to make you push further and it's going to make you work better. Yes. And you keep doing it. And that resilience is something that in business especially in the startup world that we will live in uh, at Unicorn. I mean, that's something we see every day. Um, actually, one of the things that we uh, look for whenever we are working with a, with a startup, that is, that is not a startup that we um, fund ourselves because we also work with startups and help them accelerate their processes yeah. all over. Uh, we look for that fire, that, that mm. passion inside the entrepreneur, inside the founder, inside the CEO, that allows us to say that take the risk because he's the man that's going to make this happen. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. So before we dive deeper into that topic, take me through finding out you, you were going to become a dad. Oh, I mean, we, we were looking for, uh, and it came pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was great because it happened when I was, uh, we went with my wife back to Argentina for Christmas. Yeah. Uh, we suspected it might, I mean, we might be pregnant, but, you know, right before we left, right before we had to come back to France, uh, she she did the test yeah. and it was positive. So we, as soon as we found out, we were able to, to tell it in in person to, to all our family it was just nice. great i mean and usually that i mean we go back once a year maybe i mean and imagine the chances to being able to tell them in person are close yeah. to none yes and we I mean, it was just perfect timing right that's amazing i love yeah, it it's great and you have a boy or a girl a girl little girl oh, daddy's a little girl <laughs> yeah a, li- a little demon though i mean she she won't stop i think i mean <laughs> It's no doubt she's my daughter then. <laughs> <laughs> yep, she's got your drive exactly already. exactly the same. Oh, yeah. She, she won't <laughs> stop. Ever. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I love it. <laughs> Amazing. How about you? Yeah. I have five kids, actually. Amazing. Yeah, so, yep, my oldest. I have a 22-year-old boy, a 19-year-old girl, a 14-year-old girl. They have twin boys who are 10. Uh, 12, sorry. They're 12. Amazing. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, that's my crew. Big right? family, huh? Yes, sir. Yeah, it's my squad. I love it. All right. Yeah. So, so now you're playing rugby. So take me through the steps of you making it to the professional level. Well, in one point in time, I, I cannot tell you exactly when, when, but roughly when I was, I don't know, 17, 18, 19, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, rugby was all I was thinking of, and uh, I really, really, really wanted to at least experience a year of professional rugby. So setting that up in my head so, so hard and uh, having that dream of becoming a professional athlete is what drove me to do the impossible to get there. Uh, I remember a couple of guys back back in Argentina, which were coaches for the um, national crew, not just the national team, but there's a national, I would say, union that gets players into 
um, what they call like centers of of improvement and whatnot. Okay. Um, and one or two of those coaches told me one day, you'll never get there because you're just too small. You're not high enough. You're not tall enough. You're not big enough. Mm. I like, Fuck you. I mean, who, who are you <laughs> to tell me I'm not going to get there? I mean, yeah. And just that, that also helped me keep pushing further. I mean, who are you to tell me I'm not going to get there? I'm going to prove yes. you wrong, right? Yes. Uh, but that's because of my personality that I want to just show you you were wrong. Some other people might get the the opposite feeling and, and throw the towel. I'm just, in that point in time, I was just doing as much as I could to get there. And eventually... I was playing in a small club in Argentina, not a very big one, which gets your chances of being seen lowered. Mm-hmm. And uh, eventually started to, to get into the radar. Uh, I think it was back in 2013, I was picked to play sevens uh, for my um, region. And, okay. we went to, uh, and we won the championship. Nice. Um, the year after I was aiming to play uh 15s so like reg- regular rugby and um in almost at the end of the season when when the actual recruitment started for for the regionals uh i broke my knee Ooh. so i broke both ligaments uh interior and uh, lca i think it's called in english okay. um the acl ncl I don't know the bad one, the, the one you should not break. That's the ACL. <laughs> okay, that, basically. Yeah. Uh, so I did. I, 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 yeah, I remember that awful feeling because we had a doctor back in the day that uh, he kept you pushing you to, to keep going. So when that happened, I, I remember trying to stand up, my knee moving everywhere, and mm. calling the doctor, "Come, strap it up, so I can keep going." And uh, the guy would, wouldn't do it. I was like, come on, you you always drop it up so I can keep going. Do it. And he said, not this time. I was like, okay, if he's saying not this time, something must be really, really bad. Because yep. usually he does, right? And uh, there was pretty much uh, yeah, a, a, a big setback, I would say, because I was pretty certain I would have played into, into the regionals uh, that year. And also because uh, in my position, the, one of my key strengths is uh, running very quickly. Uh, you know, a knee surgery, uh, it's not always easy to come back. Of course, I, I had questions, uh, people asking me, what are you going to do? Uh, do you think you'll be able to come back? Are you going to come back in shape? What is it you're going to do? So those things kept rolling on my mind and um, mm-hmm. at one point in time, a um, couple of weeks uh, after and I re- getting the surgery date, um, we've got the, we received the calendar for next season and um, I checked out who we're playing against the first mm-hmm. game, right? Yeah. First game was against one of the best teams in Argentina and uh I mean, I wanted to play that game. There was no way I could lose that game. Uh, it was just... So I, I remember grabbing my phone's calendar and I started to count back how many days I had <laughs> since the surgery till that day. Yeah. And I was like, okay, it's roughly six months. That's pretty much complicated already to, to, to get back from the knee, the knee surgery I had. Yeah. So I, I remember I went to the coach. The coach, uh, a guy I appreciate a lot, I respect a lot, and that he's a very good friend of mine today. Uh, he was back in the day, but with a different relationship since he was my coach, right? Yes. And um, I remember asking him, because you, you've got exhibition games before the actual season start, right? Mm-hmm. So I went to him and uh, told him, are we having exhibition games this year? And he said, of course, as every, as every season you do have, Okay, how many how many are we getting? Well, we'll play three. Okay, what's the date for them? So I started, mm-hmm. I was counting in my head, right? <laughs> and uh, that ended up being the first one was five months and one week. 
after my surgery. So I said, okay, uh, how many of them do you need me to play in order to put me on the first game? And back then, uh, being 100% honest, yeah, I was one of the best players in the team. I played every single game. I was never on the second or third team. I was always playing in the first team. Yeah, I would say it was pretty much. I hate to say it, but pretty much obvious that I was. If I, if I was ready, I could play in the first team. Yeah. But the guy looked at me and said, "If you want to be at the starting team for the first game, you should play all three friendly games." Like, okay. what? All hmm. three? I mean, that's five months and one week after my surgery. Yeah. He said, "I'm sorry, but if you want to to be in the first game, that's what you should do." Okay. So, okay, this guy's an asshole. Uh, <laughs> I'm, yeah, I mean, seriously, I mean, you could have told me, yeah, just play the last game, see if you're fit, and then you can go. But yeah. no, I mean, I, if I, I see, I go back today, I mean, I know he was pushing me because I he, he knew me well enough that that statement will make me recover better and do a lot more to get there, right? Yeah. At that moment in time, I was pissed, of course, because he could give me a break. Uh, <laughs> but that he got the result that he wanted, so I pushed as hard as I could. Literally, I did. I mean, you, you know how it feels, right? You've got oh, three yeah. knee surgeries, and it's pain in the ass. Yeah. But I did literally as much as I could. I, I remember going to my physician and asking him, "So, what can I do to hurry up the process?" I mean, he just he looked at me and said, I mean, the process is the process. You you just cannot go, okay, I'll, I'll go ask my surgeon. I asked the surgeon the same question. And he said, look, I've, I've never seen anyone do it before six months. Usually what it takes is eight. It's like, I need five. What do you mean you need five? Well, I need to be playing at five. He looked at me. I mean, that's not possible. Okay, come on. Someone think with me, let's... I mean, let's try and at least to get there. Because if you, I mean, if you don't try, you'll never do it, right? So, exactly. and uh, I said, okay, let's start slow. Let's get the first. What can I do straight away? And uh, he said, okay, you should be doing these exercises as soon as you can. Okay, I'll do it. And I remember getting off surgery. There was my my, my room was not ready yet, so they left me on the. You know those beds that you can push around? Yes, yep. So they left me there hanging in, in the hallway, waiting for the room to be cleared. And I was uh, feeling dizzy yet, but I, re I, I just said, okay, he said, as soon as I can do the exercises. So I started doing the exercises. I was moving up my knee and whatnot, and people looking around, they were, this guy's crazy, right? I mean, he just <laughs> went out of surgery. And when I told the, my doctor that uh, what I was doing, I think it was like three weeks after, of course, was, I, I did not tell him right back then. It's like, are you nuts? Why? Because, I mean, you should not be doing that after surgery. You said to me as soon as you can, right? As soon as I could was in that moment in time. I wouldn't lose a, a minute more. But, <laughs> let, me, let me jump in real quick because in, that, in that same regard, I had, I had patella tendon rupture back in 2009 oh. with like my kneecap fully fully detached yeah. from my knee and almost almost the same scenario my doctor well initially they told me I would never run or jump again <laughs> but uh but I, I squashed that one but the doctor told me to make sure you do these exercise at, at least three times a day <laughs> he didn't give me a maximum. Of course. <laughs> so, so, so like, said, I, at least. Yeah, so I had uh, the CPM machine where it, like, it, it helps you bend your knee. And yeah. so I was on it all day, all day long. And, my, and my, my now ex comes up to me. She's like, are you supposed to be doing that? Didn't he say three hours? I said, <laughs> he said at least three hours. Like He did, <laughs> he did not give me a ceiling at all. Not so if, if I wasn't sleeping or getting up to get something to eat or go to the bathroom, I was on that thing up, down, up, down. <laughs> and That's so they, amazing, man. they said I was going to rehab for about a year. I got out in four and a half months because I took everything that they gave me and I ran with it. I said, I will run again. I will jump again. I will get back on that track again. The track and field was, was my thing. 
Yeah. And so it's just like you said, like, you know, who, who are you to tell me I'm never going to run a jump again? You know, I was like, I'm pretty certain that's not covered anywhere in your education that you went through to get your PhD. You know, so I'm not knocking you as a doctor, but you don't get to decide how my body heals. Exactly. You know what I mean? It's like, that's on, that's on me. And do so, your job, I'll do mine. It, exactly. Right? Exactly. So you stitched me up, you sewed me up. Now let, <laughs> now let me get to work. Exactly. <laughs> so, and hurry right, up because I've got no time to lose. <laughs> exactly. I got stuff to do. <laughs> so, yeah. all right, go ahead. Pick pick back up with where you left yeah, off. Yeah, I mean, I, that's, that's, that's what happened. And, and the good thing about this story is that back five months and one week after, I remember, like if it was today, strapping my knee and getting ready to play that first exhibition game. Mm. Again, the coach did not say how much time should I be playing on that first game so I played just 10 minutes yeah. <laughs> that's enough he said play all three so I played 10 minutes the first game just to try it out yeah I'd say 50 60 the next game played all game the last game was ready to go for the first game that's amazing yeah it shows I, mean, I don't know what was that made that happen but I do believe that when you have something in your head so important so fixed that you really, really, really want to get there and you do everything it takes, well, the chances are that you're going to make it. Yeah, I always say healing starts in the mind. It really does. It starts in the mind. And I learned that from my first surgery because it was my first one, you know, the uh, patella tendon r- rupture. So I remember I had a walker at home, I had crutches, and I had a wheelchair. And mm-hmm. so uh, initially the, the surgeon told me, don't put any pressure on the knee. So I was like, okay, I, I won't. And, and I didn't. And then I go for my first checkup and he's like, you know, you can start to put pressure on it now. So like I start to put weight on it. I'm walking with the crutches. Then I put down one crutch. I put down the second crutch and I started walking. I was like, I, I, I could have did this a week ago. Yeah. <laughs> you know Why I mean? would you stop me? It's like, I could have did this a week ago. Like, what the hell? So I've had six surgeries since. But 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 since that first one, I started finding my own thresholds. So like my second surgery was on my shoulder and they told me completely immobile for six weeks. And I was like, no for six weeks, I was like, that ain't happening. And yeah. so I just started moving and just I found my own threshold. It's like, OK, that hurts. So I'll stay. So below I'll that. stay below. That, yep, yeah. And I'll just move it just a little bit. And then just as the days went. It got further and further, and I go for my first checkup, and you know the the nurses, the PTs, like moving my arm. She's like, "Keep," I'm like, "Keep going," I'm like, "Keep right. going," I'm like, "Keep going." She's like, "Oh my god!" So like, you have full range. I said, "Yes," because yeah. like, I, I don't listen to you. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't do what you tell me. Right? Yeah, it's like because you guys have to err on the side of caution, you know? Because like it's like I can listen to me. It's like I'm not gonna do anything stupid and, and end up breaking it again. You know, like I'm not, I'm not gonna just pick up a 50 pound dumbbell and start yeah. lifting. It's like, not but yet. but you have to be smart and you gotta find the threshold. Now, for those listening, I'm not saying don't listen to your doctor. I'm just sharing what I did. Lucas is sharing what he did. Okay, <laughs> it's because probably I'm... not the best example for everyone. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I, I I did. Let's clarify a little bit. I did listen to them. I did take their words a bit, uh, you know, literally, as you said, <laughs> at least three hours. Okay, I did the same thing. I remember <laughs> something, I think it was magnetotherapy or something like that. And the guy told mm. me, this is pretty much useless unless you do it a lot. It's like, okay. I'm going to do it Unless you do it a lot. <laughs> I swear to you, Robert, I was doing 16 hours a day. I believe of magnetotherapy. it. No <laughs> matter what I was doing, I had my knee inside of that thing. Yeah. Doing nothing, just in case. <laughs> so he said as much as I could, and then he, he when I was, I, I told my physician, I did sixteen hours a day. He was like, "What? Are you out of your mind?" You said as much as I could. Well, yeah. when I was sleeping, I had the thing on, and I remember it, it beeped out every thirty minutes to re put it up. Yeah. So every thirty minutes, I woke up to just put play again. Yeah. I mean, Love it. But if, if if that's what it takes, let's do it. See. And in- the, Go ahead, go ahead. Because you talk about other um, surgeries. I had one, my first one, I think, uh, was um, some uh, hernias, but not on your mm. back, you know, at your inguinal hernias. Okay. 
Yeah. So, you know, you are like bent over. And I remember going out of surgery Friday afternoon. And the guy told me, uh, you can do normal life. That's the worst thing he could have ever said. Because <laughs> like, what's normal you know life normal? for you, right? Yes, exactly. exactly. <laughs> so what did I do? What did I do on Monday? I went to the gym. I was. I remember I was bending over. I couldn't stand up straight, and I was lifting weights like that. Mm. And I had my check a couple of days after. So I went to my check. I was still bending over, and and, and the guy, are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. What have you been doing? Well, I went to the gym the last three days. What? <laughs> like like you, you said normal life? You said normal life. <laughs> That's my normal life, right? <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So, so you said earlier about getting back in the five months, you know, you, were, you were, weren't sure how that happened. I can tell you how that happened. It's, it's called the strength of the human will. That's that's <laughs> that's what it is because any anybody that's dealing with anything, I always say, if you want this to get better, you have to think it there first. Cool. You know, like that's how it is. That's how whether it's healing, whether you're in, what, like whatever goal you have. Like if you're starting a business, you have to see yourself as the success that you want to be, and then that way you can make the steps to do it. Like before be, my, my last surgery, I had it on my elbow, my right elbow. So for a month prior, I did everything left-handed, everything. I was shaving, I was brushing my teeth, I was cooking, I was doing everything left-handed. Everything. So that way, once once I was in the sling, life wouldn't change any. I could still th- throw the football with my kids, and I was <laughs> yeah, playing. Yeah, you can do was, anything you want. Yeah, but I was playing horse and basketball, shooting left, left-handed. It's like I didn't miss a beat. I still did all of my trainings, and I was still able to use my fingers, Right, that I was like, I had surgery on the elbow. It's like I can use, I can use, I can use my fingers still works. I'll be grabbing, I'll be signing stuff like this. It's you know, so it's all about setting yourself up to have the success you want. If you just sit back and play the woe is me card, you're you're not going to get anywhere at all. No, not agree. That's amazing. I I I mean, the synergy between you and I—it's just great (laughs) because. I love the way that you think because it just connects with me so much. And, uh, yes. and I think that's what keeps pushing, right? I mean, because, of course, we've all had ups and downs, especially yeah. in a sports uh, career. You, you're never, nobody's perfect and we're never at our best level. So you, you've got ups and downs. It's yeah. it's about how you know, we always say is you take a heat a, a heat and you stand up and you come back up right and you yes. you get stronger and you get going uh and that happens and i think that will that you talk about is what really allows you to push the extra mile yes put that extra 5% every time uh cuz it's not about changing people that want to make from 0 to 100 in two days, three days, it's not going to happen. But if you start adding up little by little and you start working up, yeah. uh, you everyone can get there. And that's that. I, I always use this sports business synergy. Yeah. Because there's, uh, it's the same thing. At the end of the day, if you don't have that will, you won't get there. If you don't have that motivation, I mean, who works without motivation? Nobody. <laughs> it's oh, so well, true. Um, you can work, but the results are are not great. Um, that passion also. Uh, how many people do you know that are working nine to five in something that they dislike, or that they don't enjoy? I, yes. I have that so much. I've seen that so much. That's because they're working for money. That's yeah. why they're working solely for money. Yeah. It, and people don't realize that once you stop that, because I've done it, you know, like I, I spent We've all 20, 20, 20 some odd years managing restaurants. And yeah, I was good at it. I got awards. I got I got promotions and made bonuses and stuff. But especially once I became a father and like I started missing the first steps, I started missing the teeth coming through, missing the first time they sat up or the first time they crawled. Then I was like, what, what am I doing? You know, yeah, it's, it's worth it. Yeah. It's like, yeah. what am I doing? It's like, now I, I don't have to miss anything. Yeah. 
You know, like I don't have to miss anything. So I can go to all the all the sporting events, all the after school events. I can be here when they're home from school. I can be here when they go off to school. And yeah. like that's that's what it what success means to me. Like it's exactly. it's not it's not about about a dollar amount. Because there are people that make tons of money who are just miserable. I mean, look at I, I don't know if you're uh, if you're familiar with Robin Williams, the uh, comedian. Yeah. But yeah, you know, sixty-one years old, and he took his life. Like this, this is a guy that yeah. spent his life making people laugh. Yeah, and he, he was, was unhappy. Himself. himself. Yes, I was about to say the exact same thing. You know, it's like unreal, unreal how that happened. So when you shift into doing something that you love, like with me, with my fitness clients, like I love being there, and I've had many business coaches saying, you know, Robert, you're working too much. In the business, in the business, like you got to work on the business. And I was like, but I started this to work with my clients. It's like, that's where that's I belong. Love. Yeah, that's where I belong. Somebody else can do all the pencil pushing stuff because I don't I don't like that stuff. I like being there, you know, watching one of one of the, the women climbed. We have a 20 foot rope. And she climbed the rope for the first time this week. And it's like, I like being there to witness that stuff. I like to be there for the yeah, way for the weigh-ins, you know, when when they look and they're down a couple pounds and, you know, the face lights up. Like, I want to be there for that stuff, Yeah, you know, and, and that makes it valuable for them, too. And just by listening to the way that you're saying it and the way that you're <laughs> expressing it, I can see the passion inside you for all that's happening. Yes. And that's that's why... You're doing what you love, and even if you're doing it for the whole day, it doesn't. It's not a burden, and that's something I, yes. I, I find out because I'm also doing. I'm working lots of hours, right? So, yeah. But I don't see that them as real work because I'm passionate about what I do. Yeah. Between rugby and the business, I mean, yeah. And I love it. And if I have to spend all day here because there's stuff to do. I don't regret doing it. You understand that yes. feeling, right? And yes. Well, because you're helping I'm, people. Exactly. <laughs> and also because um, you know, it's that um, you know that feeling when you when you're building something great. Yes. And you know that you're a part of it, and, uh, and that's you know that feeling of satisfaction. Yes. Of what of success. Uh, I, I like to call it also um, a winning mentality because I think that's what it takes. I mean, I, I've been criticized when I was a kid usually because I always want to win. Yeah. Uh, no matter what I do. And I'm serious. I mean, I play a rugby game, I lose, and I won't speak to my family afterwards because mm. and I won't speak to anyone. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm mad. I'm really, I, I really wanted to win that game. Yes. And if we play cards, I want to win. And whatever we do, <laughs> I like to win. Yep. And that winning mentality, I think, I, I wouldn't change it. I think it's a good thing if you know how to use it, of take advantage of that winning mentality, that always wanting some more uh, to take you to, to get stuff and to and to fulfill your dreams and to and to succeed, right? Yes. And one of the things I usually try to to speak a lot about is that um, or in rugby or in sports in general, there's always someone that wins and someone that loses. Yeah. The interesting thing about business is that we can all succeed. Yeah. And that's something that you just said, succeed, that word. And each of us, for us, for me, succeeding might be one thing and for you might be another. And we can both do it at the same time yeah. without having to step into each other's head. And exactly. that's something great. And I think having that winning mentality in business too, it can just push you further and further. Absolutely. Like people tell, tell me that I'm obsessed with, with winning. And it's like I'm not so much obsessed with winning. I'm, I'm obsessed with competition. Yeah. And it was one thing I was getting ready to go to a track meet. This was in 2019 and three of my kids were sit, sitting on the couch and I said, all right, guys, when I come back, I'm going to have three gold medals. And my, one of my, one of the twins says, so you just think you're going to win. 
you know, and so I was just about to walk out the door and I stopped and I came back and I was like, I trained hard for this. I trained very hard for this. I said, so yes, I expect to win. I said, if I don't, it's okay. But I'm going there with the expectation that I will yeah. dominate all three events. And, and he's like, whoa, dominate. I said, once again, I trained for this. Yeah. You know, so again, it's like... If you, if you don't think and you don't convince yourself that you're winning, how mm -hmm. are you going to show it to the others? I mean, how are you going to win if you're yes. not convinced yourself that yeah. you're able to do it? Look at what Tom Brady just did with, with the Buccaneers. You, you know, it's like you have this organization that has all that talent and they were seven and nine the year prior. Yeah. They they switch out the quarterback. You bring in someone who's who's a proven champion. And he took that collection of talent and got them to believe that they could win. Exactly. And they went all the way. All with the no, way. with no preseason, with no fans, <laughs> with no mini camp. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like but but that's what a winning mentality can do. I and agree. You know what I mean? And like that, just watching that and even at his age, you know, at the age of when he was 42, 43 years old, but he went in there and changed that mindset yeah. from, from we're, we're not just going to be a talented team. We're going to be a winning organization. A winning, yeah. And then now That's you listen and now you listen to all of them give press conferences now, like outside of Brady and Grom. And like, I was listening to Mike Evans yesterday, one of the receivers, and just listening to him talk, I'm like he's never given a press conference like that before. <laughs> you know, it's like like he truly believes. He's like the goal is not to just catch a hundred balls and make make the Pro Bowl. He's like the goal is to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, and then that changes yeah. your actions. It changes it's your mindset, everything. Right? Yes, mean, and because when you have that on your mind, you you also react for that, right? So you. Yeah. You're going to be training a lot harder to get there because you believe you can win and you know you can win and you have that on, on your mind. So you're going to do a lot more. And that's also why it works so, so well. Yeah. And that and, and motivation, I think. One of the, the key crucial elements here is motivation. Because yes. what he did is he stepped into the team and he managed to create not just talented players, but a team that believed. Yes. So they believed they could win. They believed they were better than the others. And not just, oh, yes, I'm better. Uh, and believe, you know, the good, in the good sense, in the good meaning of believing in yourself. Yeah. Because you should always stay humble, you know, but uh, you need to know how much you're worth. Yes. And, uh, and that's key to, key to success. See, and, and I always say, you know, I I agree with the with the staying humble part, but there is a difference between confidence and cocky. Oh, you know what I mean? It's totally. like in like when when I speak in schools, like middle schools, elementary schools, I talk about that because kids are so afraid to be sure of themselves because they think that's being cocky. Yeah. It's like it's, it's like not. no, like if you're working with business with business people, don't you want them to view you as the best in the industry? Because, like, I don't want to work with the second best guy. <laughs> right? I want to work with, with the best guy or the best woman to be like, yeah, you know what? I dominate this this lane. I'm the best in this region. I've done X, Y, Z. Like, that's yeah. not cocky. That's what I want to hear. If I'm going to pay you X amount of dollars to help advance my business, I want, I want you to brag all about yourself. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's not bragging. I mean, I'm actually telling you what I'm capable of doing. Yes. And one one key thing that we always speak about on that point is that we focus on who and not how. Yeah. Because most of the businesses, they end up, oh, how am I going to be doing this or that? And the question is not that. The question is who. Who is yeah. the appropriate person to take this and to fix this problem or to make this better? Yes. And, uh, and that's why you should know your value, know what you're good at, because uh, that's what you bring to the table whenever you, you're a part of something. Yes. Uh, 
it's like if I asked you instead of going to the tracks to go play a rugby game tomorrow, you're probably not going to be fit <laughs> for doing it. And if yeah. you ask me to go to the tracks, I'm going to do shit. Because yeah. I'm being honest. Yeah. Right. And that, oh, you're right. That honesty needs to be uh, clear, and you need to be certain of what added value you're bringing. Yeah, see, and it's also recognizing, too, when you need help. Because one thing I hear all the time, people are like, well, I'm a loner, and, you know, I don't, I don't want to pay anyone to do that. And, 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 that's what, and I'm guilty of that, of that myself, but that's where people have to realize, like, you're, you're skilled in one area. Like, you might have, you know, other things that you can do, but the majority of your skill set lies in one area. Yeah. So, like, when I'm in the gym, like, I don't try to be – the most knowledgeable guy in the building because I'm not like the place that I train out of There's people there far more educated than I am far more, <clears throat> excuse me, but I train bigger groups because I'm a better connector. It's like, like I can, I can, I can leave people feeling invincible. You know not what I mean? Your fault invincible, there, right? Like, yes. Take advantage of that and put that to work because that's way more efficient than trying to do stuff that you're not that good at. Yes. There's probably someone else that can handle that part while you do what you do the the best. Exactly. So, like, if they need some more technical assistance, I'll point them to one of the other people. But, like, if your problem is confidence or self-esteem, that's me. I I got you. I'll I'll take – you can have the smallest amount of badass in you and I will extract it from you <laughs> and I will show you how to utilize that to use it. Yeah. so that you can Im- improve your performance. Cause everybody, everybody says they want to lose weight. They want to tone up. I was like, you got to focus on performance. If you work on that, everything else will follow, Thumbs, yeah. you know, it will, it will follow. So if you work on lifting a little heavier, carrying heavy things a little further, you know, squatting a little heavier, lunge a little further and then over time you're gonna be like oh wow my clothes are getting looser you know <laughs> i'm stuck i'm starting to get a get an outline in my belly and I'm, I'm starting to get lines in my in my arms yeah. and you know you stack all of those wins and then good thing happens it's the same thing in business you just grind you just grind each day each day each day each day next thing you know your business looks completely different agreed i 100 agree you know, so so with your business, how how did you how did you get that started? Well, actually, it was I would say thanks to rugby, I met the founder of Unicorn, uh, the CEO Dom Einhorn, and I just loved his mentality. Uh, we connected right away, and I said, "Hey, even though you know the rugby club used to be a very small club, uh, now we are we took it over and we are building it up." Uh, we've got very good objectives, but what really drove me here was that guy, because his mentality, his way of doing things, his speed, uh, I mean, he just drives over everything and just keeps going, right, keeps pulling and pulling himself, and that's the guy I want to be with. Uh, So I just started with him, Started doing business with him. We started working for him at the beginning. Now we are more like uh, partners in such a way. We funded one company together. Uh, nice. We're working on the others. And it's just, I mean, it's again, what a guy like that can motivate. It's the same thing as we were speaking before with Brady. He, yeah. I mean, just being a part of that team, being a part of that adventure, because that's how I call it. For me, it's a challenge and an adventure because mm-hmm. we're working both on and off the pitch. We're doing things all around. Uh, so being a part of that challenge, a part of that adventure is what keeps driving me. Nice. I love it. I love it. So so uh, who do you like? Who do you service? In what sense? What do you mean? Like, uh, who are your like who are your clients? Like, who do you work with? We do well. We we at our incubator we do two things. Let's say let's call it very to be more specific. We do more of the incubation process for tech only companies. Uh, for instance, we have uh, right now eight companies in here in house, and five 
that we do remotely. And they are from AR, VR sector, sports techs, AI, um, fintech, um, decentralized finance. That Those are what we are dealing today. Uh, we do food tech too. We do ed tech. So everything related to tech. And then we've got more, let's call it the accelerator side, where we run campaigns, especially focused on mark, uh, digital marketing. Okay. Because that, well, that's one of the things we do the most. Digital marketing, um, investors' relationships. Um, so on that side, we can run campaigns for any company around the world. In fact, our bigger markets and the, our bigger clients re, reside in, this, in the US, Canada, and the, and the UK. Mm-hmm. And uh, many of those are public companies. Um, but not necessarily. Okay. So how did the uh, pandemic affect you guys last year? Well, and this year? Well, there was, I would say, not affected, but uh, we had to adapt as everyone else. Yeah. We we used to do lots of traveling, for instance, uh, to meet clients, to meet investors, to, to go to... to you know, Congress, uh, everywhere. So we had to stop that. And we basically turned into uh, a lot more conferences uh, online. Um, we are doing lots of podcasts also. Yeah. We believe in the power of uh, visibility and marketing that they have. Uh, oh, yeah. And it's just a great way to connect. Great way to meet new people like you. I mean, and at the end of the day, I, a personal thought is that uh, the world is all about connections. It, it's all about networking. Yes. It's all about the people that you know, the people that you relate with, the people that you're doing business with, because I mean, that's how you get uh, get things going. Yeah. So, and on the rugby side, because we took our rugby club as um, as one of the startups uh, here at Unicorn. The rugby side it was pretty tough last year because we played only five games out of uh, twenty something mm-hmm. because of COVID, so everything yeah. stopped. And um, but we adapted, and uh, I actually think it was a good thing because it made us become a lot stronger and allows allowed us to prepare uh, in a different way. So we build the brand first. Yeah. Instead of building the actual team. So we gave ourselves the means to mm. succeed on the pitch afterwards. And uh, that was very important. And okay, now after one year of work, maybe 18 months, we come to the final test. If everything that we did, it's actually transmitted into the pitch because we've just started our championship two, yeah. two weekends ago. So okay. far, so good. But yeah. okay, now it's time to prove all that we did, all that we've been working on, it actually works. Because this proof of concept um, is the proof of concept for our newest uh, company, which is called Challenger X. Okay. And this company is here to bring these solutions to every amateur and semi-professional club around the world. Wow. So everything that we did on Salo Rugby as a proof of concept, now we can do and bring to all others because first and foremost because they are asking already so they they are looking for that solution they are struggling with the same problems that we did that we found solutions and those solutions we built our platform through challenger x to actually bring it to the people bring it to the teams and uh, help them out we call it turning david into goliaths so we really want to get those small teams up and helping them overcome adversity and bring them to a whole different level, which is what we are doing, what we did, what we prove to that works through solo rugby. Okay, we can do it for everyone else. Love it. That's great. That's great. All right, so we're coming up on our time here. So give us some final thoughts. Okay. Um, so the reason why I came to France is because I had a dream. That dream was to become a professional rugby player. One point in time, 
um, of course, once I got there, dreams started changing and became, become other things too. But I would say, even though it sounds a little bit cliche, follow your dreams, because that's what brought me here and that's what made me do as much as I had to do to get where I wanted to be. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, it, it is it is cliche, but it's so true. It's so mm -hmm. true. Like even in the fitness, the you know, the fitness world, like people are always looking for the next latest and greatest thing. It's like it's just train three to five days per week and eat, <laughs> eat well more than you eat crap. Like yeah. that's that's the formula. <laughs> and and drink plenty of water. Like it's just it's just those three things. But people people wanna people wanna complicate things all the yeah. time. Like it's it's not complicated. It's like you have a dream, put the steps in action to make it come true. Exactly. You know, that's all, all it is. Like when I started this podcast, I had no clue what I was doing. And that's why I said earlier about if you want to get started, just get started. Like yeah. I, ha I had I had the mic like I keep it off camera, but I, I have the microphone. I have the lights. I have the green screen. And I wasn't doing anything with it. Like I bought it all, but I was just afraid to start thinking I needed something else. I needed to learn something else. Like, like do I need to learn editing? Do I need to know X, Y, Z? And I was like, you know what? Damn it. Turn on the camera. Let's just start talking. And I just started talking. I didn't really have any theme. I didn't know what color scheme I wanted to use. I didn't have any graphics yet. But I just started talking. I said, just the things that you talk about in the gym, just start talking about that. And then, amazing. Because, like, the way I help people lose weight, I have a seven step process, or I should say, get fit, is I have a seven step process. And so I just shifted that same process into the business world so whether i'm speaking with someone who who wants to become an athlete okay here's here's the process someone that wants to start a podcast here's the process someone that wants to scale their business here's the process like it's yeah. it's the exact same steps yeah. you know so like the steps that that you took to become a professional athlete are the, the same steps you're taking to thrive in business yeah you know but, so it's like but you need to have that that objective to get started yes and of course as you said the fear of getting started is always hard to lose yeah but I, I always try to say one problem at a time so the first problem was starting okay let's yeah. get started if something comes afterwards well let's fix it when it comes yeah let's not worry uh for something that might not even occur right yeah it's true it's true it's like we're not even into october yet and i'm booking into march that's great, <laughs> you know, with my show, Congrats. there are thank you. There, there are there are people out there with much bigger followings. There are much bigger names, and they're still booking shows. They're looking for people for next week, <laughs> you know. But it's like I focused on getting getting guests on, you know, because like this whole it the whole works. premise of this show is about getting getting the guest backstory and highlighting what they're doing now. So I just went went in for maybe two solid weeks. And I was just pitching people left and right, left and right, left and right. And I probably pitched about maybe 500 people. Yeah. And then so many of them jumped on board. I was like, oh, crap. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I got more guests than I know what to do with. <laughs> well, that's never a problem. <laughs> that's always you know? a good thing to have. But, but that goes back to you reap what you sow. You know what exactly. I mean? So it's exactly. like I, I focused on getting guests. I got guests. <laughs> you know, so now we'll focus on expanding the reach like what we're into 26 countries now you know that right. people that listen to this and and again when i started a year ago i didn't know what i was doing I, I didn't have any connections in the podcast world like i don't know any celebrities you know or anyone who can help me help me build this thing i just yeah. did it did it organically yeah you know and then and, you? and here you are in france you know talking to me over here in the u.s you know what i mean it's like love it you know and you're I, I think it. i think you're my 12th international guest i think amazing so, somewhere around there 12 13 14 somewhere around it's there. great i mean that's the beauty about uh internet today right we yes. can be anywhere in the world and make this happen so yep. i mean nothing stops us now exactly i love it i love it all right man well that is our time um where can people find you on social i'd say linkedin is the best place LinkedIn. So just lucas canada yeah okay so i link in 
and just search your name? Yeah, if you just put slash my name, it works too. Okay. All right. So that's Lucas Caneda. And for those listening on the audio, it's L-U-C-A-S-C-A-N-E-D-A. Find him on LinkedIn. And if you want want to hear more of the story, want to hear more about his, his business ventures, you know, reach out to him on LinkedIn. Lucas, thank you very much for taking the time and sharing, you, sharing your knowledge, your passions. This was an awesome conversation. Great. Thank you. My pleasure. And you have a great day. You too. Bye. All right, thanks. Bye. All right. So that was Lucas, professional rugby, rugby player and successful entrepreneur. So if you tuned in late, I say go back, watch the rest of the video. We dropped a lot of solid information there for you. And hope you guys have a great weekend. I'll be back on Monday with the debate show with my daughter. We have a video that we're going to be reacting to. So you'll want to check that one out. So this is Rob Foster signing out. You've been listening to Shut Up and Grind. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. Robert has over 20 years experience pouring his knowledge and expertise at many events in the service and fitness industry, as well as secondary schools and universities. He has a true passion for helping others break through the barriers that are holding them back. To book Robert B. Foster to speak or to reach out, go to robertbfoster.com slash speaks on Instagram at Robert underscore B underscore Foster on Twitter at RBF underscore fitness and on Facebook at Robert B. Foster. Till next time, shut up and grind.